Hey listeners, it's Keith from Evertrue. Evertrue is the end-to-end solution for insight, outreach, and analytics for higher ed advancement and stewardship teams around the world. Recently, we launched Evertrue Studios, Advancement's very first media hub, where subscribers have access to over 100 hours of free, on-demand original series and podcasts, all created with fundraisers in mind. Check us out at evertrue.com backslash studios. I'm Kim Leone, and this is Mentorship Matters, a podcast that examines the current and future landscape of fundraising leaders and the power of inclusive mentorship in advancement. So today I thought I'll take a different approach and take somebody from industry who's a career coach to talk to us about the future of work, because I think there's a lot of lessons that we can learn from this that are applied uh, and applicable to the world of advancement. So with that, pleased to be joined by my friend Diana Falcon career coach and visionary, uh, talent mobility, visionary, and futurist. Welcome, Diana. Hey, Kim. You're one of my favorite people on the planet, so it's so good to see you. Oh, thank you so much. I feel the same way. We're like kindred spirits. You know, I, every time I speak with you, I get energized, and I'm like, why did I not think about that? So that's a, that's a great thing. So uh, as I mentioned today, I want to talk to you about the concept of the culture of career and how technology will impact the future of work. How do you define the culture of career? So I think before we can dive into there, it's important for us to understand that the global workforce is changing right now. Right. Um, Generationally, 75% of the global workforce is going to be millennials by 2025. My gut- That that is huge. Yeah, my gut is that we'll get there sooner. So as we think about culture for millennials and Gen Z, we have to show up different in the way we reach them. Oh, the oh yeah. So when it comes to careers, it, you, you think that you think they're going to just sit down and, and agree to everything the way things have been done. Uh, no, we are not. So we're, we're really crafting our own paths. And I think that for a long time, careers were very vertical and it was like I'm in marketing so I'm going to be a coordinator and then a manager and then a director and then right and you kind of stayed doing marketing for your whole life and now you know people's passions change people's values changed so the way I like to define culture of career is creating opportunities for equity in the workforce and creating that equal access to opportunity so that people can flourish and bring all of themselves and create impact, not only in their companies, but on our planet. You know, uh, you you said something really good there. I know I've had conversations with people and they'll say, well, you know, this is your job. You should do your job and, you know, spend 20 years and then you'll get to be an executive and things like that. And to your point, I say, I mean, I remember going to visit friends at Google and they were encouraged nine months, move on to something different within the company, you know, cross train, you're working in a marketing team for Gmail. Well, go a marketing team for YouTube, you know, come on, keep going. You would rarely find anybody uh, staying in on, on, on one team for two, three, four years. Now, fast forward, that was like, like a decade ago today. It's even more different. So when I talk to people in advancement, I said, you know, 
you do realize the reason why we keep losing people, especially who are, you know, uh, early in their career is because we don't provide them an opportunity to gain more responsibilities quicker. And we're still thinking that they're going to be 10 years in one position, making X amount of dollars. They should be happy. And that's going to be cool. It's not going to work. This is the wrong generation. And until we change that mindset, we are going to be struggling more than we are right now. I think you and I have talked about how the attrition rate is about, uh, you know, one uh, one year. You know, people to stay in one institution for one year uh, or a year and a half, and then they quit. They leave the field completely and go do something different in private sector or what have you. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that of what you're talking about, really. Yeah, and if you think about it too, like back in the day, things were very siloed and like marketing was different from PR, was different from this, medicine, this was different from this, this was different from that. I feel like there's this like congruence that's like bringing things together that the the reason where I've seen diversity of thought blossom and thrive is when somebody comes to solve a business challenge when they don't have all of the credentials that you normally need to like go solve that challenge because they are looking at it from a different perspective. They're looking at it from a different lived experience. So you, you talk about retention. Um, I'm a huge champion of talent mobility and the companies that are doing it right. The P and G's of the world, the Amazons of the world, everybody's flocking there because they're seeing, we're seeing our peers get all these new opportunities and new opportunities don't just mean a new job. It means new experiences. So as an example, being able to have a mentor, have a sponsor, go do this cool offsite, go get immersed here, go get immersed in this business challenge, that business challenge. I think companies, when they think about culture of work and retention, they need to think about the entire employee life cycle. It's not enough to just do some bomb onboarding and then be like, all right, Figure it yeah. out. Um, You're here now. You got the job. Figure it out on your own. <laughs> no, you have to kind of find these like pulses where you're keeping them engaged. And the other thing is one size fits all, gone. Nope. It's high personalization. And guess what? We have the technology to do it. AI. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for those of you that might not be familiar with AI technology, think of Disney Plus and Netflix and Amazon Prime. It says, you watch this, you might like this. So I think that's the future of work. I mean, we're already there. There's talent marketplaces out there like Gloat, um, I'm a huge fan of, where you swipe right on your career and you say, okay, these are the skills I have. These are the skills I want. What are the opportunities? And the other big thing is gig economy type work where people are doing stretch mm-hmm. projects and they get to learn by doing. And when people do raise their hands to do something, there's passion there. And they're going to attack that with like a whole new set of motivation and determination and all those things. So I guess if, if I peel it all back, culture of career is opportunity and passion. Yeah, you know, uh, it's funny you say that. I uh, I hosted uh, a gentleman who worked in the hospitality industry, a friend, in uh, for forty years, and he told me a story about how when he first started his career as a management trainee, you know, he was uh, put in a cubicle and didn't really have any mentor or any of that kind of stuff to just just figure it out. Then he had a new director of sales that showed up and asked him, 
where's your office? She said, I don't have an office. You know, I'm a trainee. It's like, nope. You see that desk in there uh, in, in my office? There's an extra desk. That's your desk. And so I want you to follow me and do as I do. And so he would throw them in the, in the deep end, you know, give them a project, a sales project, give them a quota back when he didn't know anything about the company. But like I said, I watched how my, my director would work the room, how he would treat employees and how he would close deals. And I just developed my own style and he encouraged me. And he went on to become, uh, you know, to grow rapidly and be, and have a wonderful, successful career by all because somebody believed in him and to, to throw him in a deep end and say, Hey, this is a stretch. You don't know anything about the industry yet, but I believe you can figure it out. And here's an opportunity to figure it out. But oftentimes what I see is people are risk averse, right? We want Diana to show up ready-made knows everything and boom, there you go. We don't want to take a chance in investing, in investing you. And, uh, and we, yet we, we get surprised when people go to places where people invest in them. You know, a word that you said that I think is beautiful about that story is empower and courage. I think the way work used to be is that, and the reason it wasn't equitable, because the numbers don't lie, is because when somebody's in a leadership position, they're the ones that have a, a bit of that onus on your career. And Absolutely. if you don't have a leader that is creating opportunities for you, bringing you, like sponsoring you, bringing you through through these experiences, but a leader that's like, oh, that person's not performing. I'm going to put them on a low performer list. And then to get out of that low performer list. And it's just because somebody said this one mm -hmm. thing. And, you know, nowadays, like you don't know if that employee is going through a mental health situation. You don't know if that employee right now, 54% of the world is grieving after Absolutely. COVID. Like oh, you yeah. don't know if somebody in their family just passed. You don't know if they're, you know, having a tough day. Like, so- I like to flip it and I like to say, let's find the impact players. Let's mm -hmm. find the people that find the gray areas of opportunity for our business. Let's find people that aren't just doing the job, but that they're creating new scopes. And, and, I, and I, I don't believe in job descriptions. I think they're a facade because by the time you start the job, the job changes, right? Because humanity- could agree more. <laughs> yeah, humanity brings their own and brings new ideas. And oh, what if we tried this? And for companies that are all in on innovation, they're able to encourage fail fast. So I, for companies that want to get it right, it should be skills-based, both soft skills, functional skills, uh, leadership skills, but also- caveat, not everybody wants to be a leader. So what are those? No, no should paths? they be? Right. What are those career paths that help create subject matter experts and like help them move and have that mobility? So I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that if you have an organization where you have a skills map and you're able to tap and grab different individuals for different projects tied to their skills and their areas of passion, I think companies that go that approach will reach trillions of dollars of revenue because they're empowering, they're encouraging, they're creating opportunity, they're letting people step into their passion. And I know it because I'm a millennial and I know it because my sister's a Gen Z and she's coming after me. 
we are not settling for anything less than that. And, um, you know, people that that do are, you know, they're going to get tired. They're not they're going to start quiet quitting. They're going to detach. They're going to do the bare minimum. And then you're not getting your full value of, of no, not. investing that person, of bringing that person onto your team. So so I feel like it should be less punitive and more empathetic, more let's talk. Let's figure out where you want to go instead of putting people in these boxes and these job descriptions that aren't real. The moment somebody leaves a company, they ask that person to write a job description because the leader doesn't even know all the things that they do. Like, right. Like it's just so random. So I, I encourage people to do more of that story that you said to empower, to encourage and to create that opportunity. You know, uh, this conversation reminds me of a book I read years ago by a gentleman named Michael Hendren. It's, it's called uh, Spiritual Capitalism. And I, I had the privilege of having him uh, present at a conference and I got a signed uh, book. But it was interesting because he was a tech guy and he was brought in to turn around this. It was a uh, CRM company out in Alameda, Northern California. And the sales were down, morale was down. So he said, you know, the first thing I, 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 when I got there, I noticed people were not happy. They were just mailing it in. It was cutthroat. And so said, I met with the, uh, you know, with the HR director. And I said, the first thing I want you to do, uh, can you tell them about our policy? And they bring all these binders things. And they said, okay, from this day forth, all that, throw it away. We are going to focus on people. And he started reviewing his sales force. And he will have conversations with them. And he figured out there were a number of people who were, who did not really want to be salespeople. And one person was, uh, you know, more of a supply chain person. One person was, uh, you know, more on the consulting side. That was his passion. So he had conversations. He told HR, so we're going to redo the, the organization. So I want gel, gel, one, two, three to go to move to these areas because that's where we can best utilize his skill set. And then with the sales team, he had one person who was really not performing consistently. And he talked to the sales team and says, what's, what's your strategy? And these are all individual players. They're not working together. So he developed an incentive, an, an incentive-laden system where collective working was, was encouraged. And when he was having this conversation, this individual said, so just be frank with me. I mean, do you like your job? Say, no, I hate it. I hate the hours. I hate everything else. <laughs> so I'll tell you what, I, I, I too realize this is not a fit for you. So I'll pay you for the next six months. And I'll help you find a job. I know the executive with this company and I'll make a phone call and we'll do that. So he was able to facilitate that individual to get a job at a, uh, at a different company. And that person also had a, you know, six months uh, of severance. So the guy came back and thanked him. He's like, thank you so much. They never had a VP who actually listened to me. And the fact that you did that uh, was very helpful. So Michael's point was that with all that was that behind every success is people behind every billion dollar company is good people. And so he focused on the well-being of uh, his employees and he's Christian. So he used his, uh, you know, Christian uh, principles to guide what he was doing. And that company ended up having a market cap of about $2 billion and was sold and everybody became wealthy. And his thing was, by the time we get done, I want everybody on my team to be a multimillionaire and do whatever they, they want to do. And so 
that to me is investing in your in the well-being of your people, putting people in the right situations, helping them to realize their potential, and then, you know, let them go, let them go do big things. And I think now more than ever, that is absolutely critical in advancement, just like it is in any other field. Because guess what? In the next three years, you know, more and more people who are reaching a, are going to be reaching the age of retirement, and they're going to be leaving institutions. And so who comes next is uh, folks like us. And then there's uh, the, uh, you know, the current people who are graduating. Well, five years from now, you may want to hire them. And they have a very different idea about what, you know, what work life is. They want to have a balance. They want to have a mental health day. They don't want to come in eight to five because they may work better at 11. So if you're there sitting and saying, oh, well, Diana always likes to come late. So they, okay, in case Diana does not do X, Y, and Z, they're out then you're going to have a whole host of people that want to come and work <laughs> and say, you know what, we're going to go to a different industry. And I, and I, 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 I can't, I can't speak enough of that because I see it and I, I know it's going to be an issue down the line. And so uh, we, we've talked a lot about this, but if you could summarize the five key elements that define the culture of work, uh, that, that, that would be, uh, that would be great. Yeah. So for culture of career, I would say personalization is key. Because again, people are in different stages. People are looking for different things. Two, technology, especially for big companies, you can't map career paths and skills and, and match mentors and create programs without leveraging AI technology. So um, highly recommend for you to think about what is your tech stack backend experience? What is the data? A lot of companies for a long time just did once a year employee surveys, and then they would base all these decisions on their people off of data from a year ago when like things change week to week, month to month, like look at how volatile the world is right now. So, um, so the third I would say is data. Like how are you measuring engagement and redefining what engagement means for you, for your organization? Four is every company has a mission, has a purpose, has a product. Your people should feel like the world's biggest ambassadors of that brand and that product to amplify that. So finding ways to incentivize your teams for their performance tied to the business growth and, and, and initiatives and team collaborative initiatives. You know, I think it's hilarious that companies nowadays like they're like, yeah, let's collaborate. But then like people are in, are in the way their performance is measured is on individual performance. Like I, it just blows my mind. And the fifth one I would say is passion. Mm -hmm. Very important. Very, very key. So you talked about, you know, the, the tech infrastructure that can be used, you know, in, in, in that type of framework, uh, Perhaps you can, I know, I know you've done this and I'm familiar with some of the things that you do, that you're doing from a technical perspective. So how do we intersect technology in this? What kind of stack, uh, you know, does somebody need to be able to, to track, uh, you know, not just to track, but to map and guide uh, team members that, that can be applied to different industries? Yeah. So there's a lot out there, right? There's Google, there's Microsoft, there's the mentor clicks of the world, which is AI matching technology for mentorship. 
there's glo- there's talent marketplaces that basically help companies create skill maps and gig economies and swipe right on careers. I think the challenge is that, or what's getting better is that those different techs are starting to create integrations and plugins so that they work together. So my dream tech stack is the Microsoft tech stack. They have a whole low code, no code platform. I like to say that Microsoft took PowerPoints and Excel, put them together, uploaded it to the cloud and had a baby on the internet. (laughs) Yeah. So you can imagine like WordPress style, building an app, WordPress style, creating a chatbot. So I, I love like that two-way communication, like being able to embed like ratings. What did you think of this app experience and customize it? Me as a career coach, like I use Calendly for my clients to book time with me. And then I ask them uh, CRM type information so that I'm able to learn and see themes and trends and what's What's what are challenges and and I I support where I create the most impact in my career coaching is supporting minority women uh, step into all that they can be by creating helping them create their vision, their value and their impact. And I think sometimes the tech is only as good as the culture. The yes, tech indeed. helps you right. The tech helps you find the trends see what's happening, do spot checks, but then you need a human to bring the art and bring the heart and bring the human back into human resources and be able to create a strategic game plan. And what are we going to do? And what are we going to try and what's working and what's not working? So I, and you know, a lot of companies also have like Workday or SAP for payroll and all that kind of stuff. There's also all this new tech out there for like recognition where people earn points for recommending or like giving somebody a kudos or like, you know, celebrating one another. And then when people celebrate you, you gain points and then you can either go give those points to celebrate one another or you can cash out or you could go on a vacation or you could take a, a free flight. Like, right. Like, so I do think this incentivization strategy of, you know, creating that experience like you know us millennials and gen z is like my company sent me to hawaii and it's like how do you work and how do i get a job like right Mm -hmm. so that that stuff matters i like to tell people to think about think about what your company core business priorities are and then think about how how you want to see what's what's working what's not working what does engagement look like with your people and then go find the tech. I think sometimes people just like buy all this tech and they're like, yeah. Yeah, and figure out like, how it works. Yeah, they don't know what to do with it. So I think it's like, you know, if if recognition is lacking, like make sure that's a key part of your tech stack. If obviously companies need to pay people and like that kind of stuff. So I'm not really, I don't, I'm not as educated about that side of the tech, but I, I think about the employee experience tech stack. And like, how are you creating this experience? And then the last thing that I will say is that what's what's crucial for companies now with flexible, remote, multi-location is um, I'm seeing a lot of companies do quarterly summits where everyone's remote, 
or maybe they're hybrid a couple days in the office, but they bring the team together quarterly at offsites and people are renting like Airbnbs for the weekend and doing that with their teams. So for those companies that are hybrid, the other thing to think about is what does hyper local look like? What's the employee experience in LA versus New York versus Austin versus Mexico versus Argentina? Like you can't do a one size fits all. So, and you can't also like have just culture committees that it's their eighth job to create experiences for the employees, like create dedicated support. Um, It's not a heavy lift to do the things to show that appreciation and create a place where people belong. What does well-being in your office look like? What does career meets community in your office look like? What does learning in your offices um, or offsites look like? And um, I'm also a big component of equal access to opportunity. Anybody that wants to access like anything that I ever build you're all welcome. Like, it's mm-hmm. not like, oh, VPs and above. Like, I don't believe in that because then- No, that's how, a, how, that's not a good culture. Right. How is the next group going to get to VP? Like, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, and vice versa. I think there's a lot that VPs can learn from Gen Z. So yeah, I feel like that was a lot, but basically like em- em- employee experience tech stack, how does that go as a through line? through all elements of work, whether it's remote, hybrid, or in-person, and how do you hyper-localize it so that it resonates with your employees in your various locations? So we've talked a lot about in- investing in your team members. We've talked a lot about Gen Z and, you know, and, and the millennials and, we, you know, who are the future of, uh, you know, of industry, essentially. And so I want to I just uh, kind of, you know, uh, wrap it up by, you know, shifting of focus to higher ed and to advancement. You and I have talked a lot about this and we talked, uh, you know, a significant amount today. As we think about the future and we think about what we know about the generation now and the generation that's coming and what they're looking for and expecting to uh, to find in an, in any, uh, in, in an environment, uh, in a work environment, what would your advice be for folks that are in leadership positions in uh, university foundations and nonprofits about how they should pivot because most of, uh, I'll say uh, that an industry, especially from a university advancement perspective, tends to be slow to change, to evolve. I mean, they still have the career ladders and all that stuff that's, you know, 20 years ago. But, you know, I like to say, where we're we're using uh, slow cooker solutions in a microwave world, and so you know it's not going to work. You got to go now. I mean, you're you're a tweet late, and so what would your advice be for folks in leadership and how they can prepare their organization for that group? But also, B, what can they do to implement these ideas for existing team members that can impact their culture and ensure that folks actually do remain loyal to their brand caveat i don't like the language loyal to the brand mm-hmm. i think it should be more loyal to the mission got it because you could go well to whatever said. brands but if you care about what the outcome is engagement comes so i have three ideas that i'm just gonna off the cuff and you tell me if they're horrible or if you're into them. oh no, you never have horrible ideas no um, idea is horrible or at least starting points 
if I was in charge of advancement in higher ed, I would create the most epic mentorship program with alumni from the institution that are in sales with the current advancement teams. Mm -hmm. The best of the best salespeople cross industry matched up with advancement. Create six month rotational programs, use AI for the matching, find industries that the advancement teams are interested in because I think when they understand better the evolving web three industry or this industry, like, right, like maybe they love fashion or travel or whatever. Um, I think there's, um, I think that there is opportunities for them to take best practices from those industries to implement into their sales strategies. And it creates this investment into the people you have that get to network and meet alumni like that are doing bomb work and like how are they doing and what does that look love it so that's one idea the second one would be you're on a college campus like college was some of the best four years of my life like too I met my husband there. I was, you know, I was a Theta at UF. By the way, go Gators. I can't believe it's taking us this long to say that on this podcast. Go Gators. Go Gators. Create the college fun atmosphere when you hit goals. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. not saying like, all right, keg stands for everyone, but like, find what that is. Like, make it a celebration. Like, like take it to the next level, like bring in a gator themed Ferris wheel, like do like the out of the box, like unexpected moments of surprise, bring in Albert and Alberta, bring in Tim Tebow, bring in like, bring in like these immersive experiences that blow them away. Like you guys are there at the center of it. Um, so that, that, that's like the fun part, like create mm-hmm. just this, like, oh my God. And then they're telling all their friends about it. It goes viral on social. And then everybody wants to come work there. So mm-hmm. that, that, that would be my second. So that's mentorship. That's like fun recognition, appreciation. And the third is, you know, in higher ed, I believe that equity, like true equity lies in education and your network. Absolutely. So if you help them network with alumni industry of areas of interest, because they might want to go do sales at a different industry and then maybe boomerang back, right? Because you treated them well. But on the education side, I know that a lot of higher eds do like, you know, free uh, classes or free master's programs or free MBA programs. I feel like we need to find what's the next level of that. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not just like, oh, you get free tuition, but like, how do we find career coaches or, or career advisors or industry experts to come and help them think about what education is going to help them on their mission? And how does that tie with the education that you have? So maybe it's getting career coaches for them and maybe it's them doing electives and trying and learning and being exposed to left and right and right and left. But like you're in an 
you're on lands of learning on college campuses. And for those that are remote now, there's all these online experiences. So that discovery, I think, of what Mm -hmm. more education they're interested in, maybe it's a certification. It's not a full-blown program. Like, and if maybe there's one in like partner SEC schools, like what does that look like? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I think we need to figure out beyond just, oh, you get free classes that you have, like marketing that in a really integrated way. And then the success stories that come out of that and how you tell them, I haven't really figured it out, but there's something there that I think would elevate the retention and the experience for individuals in advancement. Basically, simply put, invest in your people, brag about them, give them (laughs) opportunities to brag about where they are and the institution that they're part of and what makes it great and be okay with the fact that they may go elsewhere, but because they had a gold standard experience, they may come back and they'll bring a wealth of knowledge from where, wherever they went, that'll be beneficial to your advancement office. And the other thing too, I've seen LinkedIn do this really well. They have um, an alumni experience. So like, I think it's like, four times a year where they bring LinkedIn alumni together and they immerse them to learning and they're still committed to them. Even after they left, they send holiday cards. They like, right. Like that's next level, right? Like, oh, it is. like, Hey, we miss you. Like, hope you're doing well. Like, how can we continue to support you? And I see it. I see my friends on social, like, shit, did I make the wrong decision? Look at this company still supporting me even after I left. I think you make a good point. Uh, you know, one one of the uh, places where I've seen it in, in advancement, though, just in, in general, was, uh, you know, years ago, I started my career at UC Berkeley, and uh, somebody started a Berkeley alumni, staff alumni group on LinkedIn as a first step. And, uh, you know, to be part of that, you have to have been there. And I just thought it was a really neat first step, right? So you have that that platform for people that have been part of your institution, and then the next level is to do the kind of things that you're talking about, you know, so it's, it's really incredible. Diana Falcone, great work, great words. We could be here for 10 more hours and unpack these things that we're passionate about, but glad to have you here. Mentorship Likewise. matters. It's been great. Likewise. And- Likewise. And thank you for what you're doing to create all these, you know, incredible content series around around mentorship and around the importance of all of this work. So appreciate you back. Well, there you have it, folks. I'm Kim Naoni. Thanks for tuning in to Mentorship Matters, and we'll see you soon. 